0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. He is worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Let every one that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Are you thankful for his presence tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where would we be without the presence of the Lord? Something that you may take for granted. But when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that He has done for me, hallelujah, it does something to me. I can't just... Not respond, not do anything when His presence is is so tangible, so real in this place. Hallelujah. One man said worship is an outward expression of an inward devotion. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. The Bible calls Him, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. For that reason, because He's present. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the comforter tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, it's a wonderful to be here again tonight. I'm thankful for this opportunity. Truly humbled. Never want to take it for granted. I, I simply just want what God wants. Amen. And I just... I I love the Lord, I love his word, I'm thankful for the body of Christ, amen, and it is an honor to to serve in the kingdom alongside my brothers and sisters in the Lord, amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, uh, we'll just go to the word of the Lord and we'll turn to the gospel of Mark chapter 4, amen, or chapter 5 rather. And while you're turning there, I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Shostran. They are, uh, I, I don't like to exaggerate, but I, I like to mean what I say. That they are some of the greatest people in the world. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And, then, and they are a blessing to my wife and I. And I'm so thankful to have my wife Brianna with me. My son Joseph. Amen. I give honor to her tonight because I wouldn't be here if it were not for her and I also would like to give honor to the nursery ministry they may not can hear me but oh I appreciate them so much more and more each day last year everyone's nurseries were shut down for the better part of the year and so we were back to square one of uh, trying to keep a two-year-old uh, quiet during church and still. But um, i thankful for, I really am thankful for Sunday school teachers and nursery workers. I, I do mean that because it is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice to, um, to teach our, our children to miss service, to do these things. And they may can hear it, they may can see it, but still they're not in here, but they're they're there watching our children, teaching them, and I, I truly give honor to all of our um, Sunday school teachers and nursery workers. Amen. Praise God. So, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, I want to I want to uh, uh, talk to you tonight something very important. Uh, just God, I, I love the way He works. I love His Word. And um, I'm looking forward to breaking bread tonight with you. But if you have turned to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, I am going to back up a few verses and read one verse in chapter 4, verse 35. The Bible says, The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, speaking of Jesus to his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. He gives them no explanation for their journey, just direction. Uh, Stated this morning, I'll say it again, God does not always explain things to us. He is not under any obligation to do so. And uh, our job is to simply believe and obey. Amen. So, he tells them, let us sail to the other side, gives direction, no explanation, and along the way, we, uh, it's a familiar portion of the Bible, but they come upon a storm, a great storm. The sea was raging and the disciples were afraid. They feared for their life. Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. They go and wake Jesus up and he arises and with just a few words, peace be still, he calmed the raging sea. With just his word, Jesus done something that man has never been able to do. To this day, they can't even hardly accurately predict a storm, much less hinder or stop it or change its direction. And so we pick up in verse 5, verse 1, the Bible says, They came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. We find the reason for their journey here in chapter 5. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no knot with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And verse 5 is what troubles me, uh, speaking of empathy this morning, the capacity to place ourselves in one's shoes and uh, to, to read the word and just not, not let it, don't let it be just words on a piece of paper, but uh, really let it jump out and put yourself in these situations. The Bible says, always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. This man was broken. He needed something. He needed someone. And uh, verse six, I love this one. It says, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Praise God. And Jesus goes on to um, cast a legion of demons out of this man with just a few words. And uh, we, verse 15, the Bible says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Praise God. He was sitting with Jesus. And so I I want to uh, draw out this portion here where um, when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped him This man that was broken, that was desperate, he needed something. Um, He was crying out for help, cutting himself night and day. He found everything he needed when he got into the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord about the ministry of presence. The ministry of of presence. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word tonight, Jesus. I ask that you let it break us, shape us, and mold us, God. Our hearts and minds, Lord, I pray, would be fertile ground for your word tonight, Lord. Help us to decrease so that you may increase, Jesus. Have your perfect will in our lives, Lord, and I pray that a ministering spirit would sweep across this sanctuary, Lord, as your word goes forth. Uh, And God, you would do what only you can do, Jesus, in this place tonight. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I am a horrible storyteller, so you just have to bear with me tonight, but I feel it's needed. Um, but it all began in the prayer room. I was uh, a uh, early in my ministry, matter of fact, God had just called me to preach, and I don't think I had even preached a message at that point, but when God called me to preach, it was a God thing. It's not something that i uh, that I um, articulated or anything like that. it was It was God, and um, it stirred me. It done something to me, and um, I, I, I didn't know hardly anything, and I still don't know much today. I'm still learning, but I did let my pastor know that I am available to you. Anything that I can do to serve you, I will be praying for you. I will do anything I can. I have two hands. I'll give them to you. Anything I can do, just let me know. And, you know, it sounded good, but I I meant it. And he uh, usually just said, I'm fine. But one day he took me up on that offer. I was in the prayer room. It was a Sunday night service, just like tonight. Sunday nights have always been my favorite service for some reason. Um, And I was filled with anticipation for the service. I was excited to see what God was going to do. I love hearing my pastor preach. Amen. Amen. And uh, so I'm walking back and forth. I like to walk when I pray. And I'll see my pastor walk through the prayer room doors, which is not unusual, but church is about five minutes to starting. So that was, that caught me off guard. And he proceeded to walk towards me. And so he approaches me and we begin to have a short conversation that would quickly diminish any excitement that I had for the evening. And so he goes on to say that uh, a precious saint in the church, um, her brother is in the hospital. Um, Something's happened. He's on life support and the family does not think that he will make it much longer. And um, he says, church is about to start. I don't have anyone to cover for me. I've got to preach before I can leave to go uh, to be with the family. And then came the question, will you go and comfort? Be with the family, and suddenly my heart sank in my chest. You see, perhaps even skipped a beat uh, because I was not prepared for this question. I thought I was going to mow the lawn or you know carry some things or do this and that. You caught me completely off guard. I I was not prepared for this. I was um, I felt very inadequate. I inexperienced and, uh, but I wanted to help nonetheless and so my face turned beet red like it does when I get nervous and um, I, I tell my pastor the best I can I love to help but what do I do what do I say in this type of situation and his answer I'll never forget it's, will always be with me he said you don't have to say anything you just be there for them and so it kind of just glossed over in that moment because I was so nervous, but it soon sank in and it's held weight ever since. But as I'm in the hospital room and I'm tucked away in the back corner, I'm breathing a prayer under my breath for this family as their loved one slips away and I'm praying for God to comfort them, God to love them, God uh, to, to come down and let them feel his presence in this moment, this this dire moment in their lives I'm just praying softly underneath my breath for this family and so uh, when it was all said and done pastor I felt I had failed this family I felt I had let them down because of my timidity and my inexperience I just I I just I'm sorry I, I failed you but they surprised me when they began hugging my neck And shaking my hands and crying with me. And they began thanking me. And it just kind of baffled me in that moment. Why are you thanking me? I didn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. And then I finally got to hear what they were saying when they were thanking me for being there for them. And then all of a sudden, you see, it began to make sense in this young man's mind. I learned a lesson early in my ministry that I did not fail them that night. That I put forth the effort and i done what I could when I was there for them, you see. And so a lesson that I learned early on and God has dealt with me since is that when people are going through tragedy and loss, suffering, and they're in the darkest hours of their lives, and it doesn't seem like there's any words that I can come up with or any sentence I can adequately put together that could help in that situation. It just seems that there are moments when any word I can say would just seem so hollow. But I learned that when there are no words, that there is strength uh, and there is love uh, and there is comfort in our presence. Uh, Our presence alone, it brings love uh, and comfort and strength to these people when they need it the most. And I, it's happened in my life, I've been, uh, times when I've been desperate and I've been at the altar and I'm pouring out tears asking God to intervene in my situation and God to touch me, hold me in His arms, I, I'm desperate Lord, I need a touch from you God. And then it was at that moment where I felt a touch of a hand on my back over my shoulder and it's like God had sent an angel down in that moment to come. me me but when I look back you see it was not an angel from heaven it was a brother or a sister in the Lord who saw someone they loved who was in need and who was desperate and they came and they put their hand on my back and in that moment you see I was comforted in that moment I felt love in that moment I felt strength that I so desperately needed so what am I trying to say That all of us may not be called to preach behind a pulpit or to pastor a church somewhere. But every one of us in this house tonight, uh, we have the ministry of presence. Uh, Every one of us here tonight there are people that are depending upon you and I to be there for them. Uh, There's family, there's lost loved ones,
1: there's friends. uh, There's a whole world out there and they're broken, they're hurting, they're lost uh, and there needs to be a church that's ever present in the world to say hey there is hope in the midst of hopelessness there is love in the midst of hatred there is a God who loves
0: you hallelujah and perhaps last year we learned it the best whenever we were forced to separate the pandemic separated us I learned so much about the ministry of presence when all of a sudden my brothers and sisters weren't there anymore. And my 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 uh, my experience was at times preaching to empty sanctuaries and preaching to video cameras and phones and all this. And can I tell you, I can honestly say that after preaching to an empty sanctuary or to a phone somewhere, I was literally physically, mentally exhausted. I was exhausted way more pastor than I would ever been before. I wouldn't preach near as hard because there was no one to interact with. But you see, there was no one there. They could have seen me, but I didn't see them. And we get strength from each other. We we comfort each other. We, We strengthen each other. Everything is stronger when it's together. And people were forced to separate all the ti all of a sudden, and you hear about people falling away by the droves. Why? Because the ministry of presence was neglected. And I love how Paul writes in second Corinthians chapter 12, he begins writing about. The gifts of the Spirit, which is supernatural power, which we love. Oh, we love the supernatural power. And I agree. I love the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, But in the same context of talking about the the, the supernatural power, he begins talking about the body of Christ, uh, which is unity. And he talks about love. He spends X amount of verses that we devoted a whole chapter to about love. If we want supernatural power, there has to be unity in love. We cannot neglect unity in love. Power is only safe in the hands of love. History has proven that to us and so in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26 he says whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it and one member be honored all the members rejoice with it and he says ye are the body of Christ and members in particular he says whether we're
1: weeping or whether we're rejoicing we're going to do it together you're not meant to do this by yourself there are no lone rangers in God's kingdom you are a part of the body of Christ and he said are Wherever we're at whatever stage we're at we're gonna do it together I need
0: you and you need me we need each other in these last days hallelujah we cannot neglect our brothers and sisters in the Lord in this time we need each other and in and, and Hebrews chapter 10 he says and in, in verse 20 24 let us consider One another to provoke unto love and to good works. We like to consider ourselves, but he said, let us consider one another not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. He'd say, in other words, he tells me here by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, we are exhorting one another. If all we do is just show up and gather together, we're strengthening each other. If all we do is just gather together in the same place, it's gonna great comfort and strength and love to the body of Christ we need each other but not only that you see not only do we need each other but the world needs us and Jesus perhaps said it when he said Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 ye are the light of the world A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Ye are the light of the world. Can I tell you what an honor and what a privilege it is to be called the light of the world. And yet at the same time what great responsibility it brings because he goes on to say neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house and then in verse 16 he says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven can i tell you we weren't meant to hold this to ourselves we
1: weren't meant to have just some social club where nobody else can't get in he said let your light so shine before men the world needs us he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church there needs to be a church that's ever present
0: in the world a world that's filled with sin and debauchery and precious souls whose life is being sucked from them their joy is being taken away their peace has been long gone There needs to be a church that says there is a way. That there is a God. You don't have to live that way. You see, because I just feel, and I I could be wrong, but I just feel that if you love God, you love what God loves. And there's nothing more that God loves than a soul, a, a precious soul, you see. And so by us being the body of Christ, by us reaching out and pulling out a lost soul or altering the destination of an eternal soul, by reaching out, we're also reaching up and pulling the heartstrings of God. And I want to please Him. I want to do everything that God wants me to do. I want to see every miracle. I want to have every revival. And I want to pull every soul out of the fire that I can while I am here. And they cannot do that if I neglect the ministry of presence. After all, you see, we can't, it's not just good enough to just acknowledge the need or just acknowledge. The the, the the lost you see when Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan and that man was lying half dead on Jericho Road he was desperate he was clinging to life can I tell you he did not just need the acknowledgement of a lofty priest or a narcissistic Levite he needed the compassion the presence of a compassionate Samaritan
1: he needed somebody to say I see a need over there and I'm going to put my things to the side so I can go and minister to a need and I can go and love my brother and help my brother that you're not by
0: yourself we're going to get through this together hallelujah there's times when I am weak and I need you to lift my hands up and say we're going to get through this together and there's times when you're weak and we need the body of Christ to gather rally around us and minister to us Praise God. And perhaps this will tell the whole story. When I was earlier this year in revival in New Mexico. And my wife and I were having dinner with an assistant pastor of the church. And this man began to tell us the story about his bout with COVID-19. And... Uh, He's an older gentleman and he had some underlying health conditions and so uh, it it was not good. He nearly died from this virus. And so he's telling me the story that he had spent weeks in the hospital and things were not getting better. And so uh, his words were that they sent him home to simply hope for the best. I don't know if uh, they, they just needed the room or he didn't want to be there, I, I don't know. But they sent him home and he said that things progressively got worse. And he talked about him becoming incapacitated where his wife would have to turn him over on his side in the bed because he couldn't do it himself. And, and his only means of getting around the house was to be pushed in a wheelchair and he said Brother Justin, he said, I could barely breathe on my own. He said, I could barely breathe on my own, much less pray for myself. And more than what the, the physical infirmities, he began talking about the mental and emotional uh, attacks that were happening. You see, he talked about the walls growing, getting smaller and smaller and closing in on him and he talked about the cloak of depression that would cover his mind and he felt that all was lost. It was all dark and grim and he was near to the point of death until one day he's sitting in his living room staring out the window he had seen over a thousand times looking at the street that he lives on when suddenly... Vehicles one by one begin to drive by his home and they're honking their horns and they're waving their hands and they're holding up signs you see. This precious man's church family had circled the entire block that his home had lived on and they didn't circle his house not once but twice. They circled his home and he said tears began to roll down my cheek and he said in that moment I felt the love of God rush into my home and he said strength that had been long gone miraculously returned to my body and he said I was able to lift up my hands and I began to pray and within just a few moments he said I was speaking in tongues for the first time in over two months. Can I tell you my friend he may not have heard their voice
1: or felt their touch but he felt the love and the strength of their presence somebody that's put, willing to put forth the effort and say hey we're here for you we love you we're going to get
0: through this together and he said that was the day my healing began to take place the ministry of presence hallelujah And I'm thankful that Jesus does not neglect the ministry of presence. The Bible says he let us come over into the other, let us pass over into the other side. He gives them no explanation, just direction. And But we find the reason for their journey when they go to the other side and this man that was crying night and day in the tombs, cutting himself. uh, He was desperate. uh, He was broken. He was hurting. He needed somebody. And Jesus heard the cry of the lost, you see. He heard the cry of the lost, and He showed His disciples, I'm willing to sail across the sea to minister to this need. And not only that, but I'm willing to go through a great storm, a great inconvenience to minister to this man's need. And this hits me a little bit, because how many times have I let an inconvenience hinder what God wants to do in my life? How many times have I let an inconvenience hinder the ministry of my presence? And I don't know what it was or what he saw, but when that man got his eyes on Jesus, the Bible says he ran and worshiped him. When he saw Jesus, the one that said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to set
1: at liberty those that are bruised. He said, he's here for me. He's here for me. That's me. And nothing could keep him from getting into the presence of Jesus.
0: Hallelujah. And he received everything he needed when he got into the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because God does not neglect uh, the ministry of presence. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, the Bible says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. Paul was geared and ready for revival. And so he says, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to have revival. And God says, no, you're not. He says, well, I'm going to go over this way. And the Lord said, no, you're not. And so here's this man anxious and he's ready for a revival and he's looking for direction. And finally, finally, the Bible says in verse nine, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. We need your presence. And finally, he gets the direction he wanted. In verse 10, he said, after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach unto them. I finally got direction. And he was excited, you see. and He gets over into Philippi and into Macedonia, and they meet some people, and they preach the gospel, and they baptize some people. Revival's breaking out everything's going good. And then suddenly, the Bible says in verse 22 that the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates went off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who having received such a charge, thrust them in the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks but Lord you you brought me here. I followed your direction yes. I, I didn't know that there was going to be hurt and suffering involved. you brought me here I talked about this morning this is where people would question God, you see but there's a reason behind the pain sometimes. There's a reason behind the storm sometimes. We don't ever comprehend when we're in the throes of it all. But I would, I love how Paul and Silas, uh, they reacted, uh, uh, encountered in their, their hurt, in their trouble. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You know how they went through their suffering? How they went through their trouble? They praised the Lord in the storm. They prayed unto Him, and they simply believed and began to praise Him. They praised Him in the storm loud enough so
1: everyone else can hear them. And something's powerful here, you see. When they began to praise Him in the midnight hour, the Bible says suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. When they began to praise the Lord, the foundation of the prison that was holding them bound began to shake. There's something powerful when we praise the Lord in the middle of the storm. You can shake the foundation of the very prison that's holding you bound and that's holding your family and your loved ones bound. And not only that, the Bible says immediately all the doors were opened. When we can praise the Lord in the storm, doors begin to open
0: that the world said never could. And this is my favorite one. It says everyone's bands were loosed. Which tells me because of their presence, Pastor, some other people began to be set free. Because of their presence, their prayers, and their praise, other
1: people began to be set free. I'm telling you tonight what happens in here goes way past these four walls. Your prayers, your praise, your presence affects more than just you. We can break the chains, shake the foundation of our city. the enemy of those that are bound it's powerful
0: hallelujah hallelujah but you see for the longest time i thought that this was the most powerful portion of this scripture i'm still learning i'm still growing i hope to always be a student but if we just read a little bit longer The Bible says the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep uh, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, uh, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Uh, He was ready to die. Uh, He was ready to slip uh, out into eternity. But verse 28, Paul cried with a
1: loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. I stayed because of you, I stayed in my pain, I stayed in my trouble, so I can minister to
0: you, hallelujah, hallelujah, Hallelujah. because of their presence. How many people would have rushed out of that prison? How many people would have ran away from their trouble and say, I don't care about that Roman
1: jailer. I don't care about it. I just don't want to endure the storm. But Paul said, I stayed so I can be with you.
0: Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So. Oh. He cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes
1: and was baptized. He and all his is
0: straightway
1: because of their presence. A whole family was pulled out of the fire into this marvelous light. If we're gonna shout about miracle signs and wonders, we've got to shout about the greatest miracle of them all. When somebody is pulled out of the pits of hell into his marvelous light. Oh, come on somebody, sometimes it's not always about me. So Lord, have your way with me.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah. He needed Paul to stay there. And I often wonder, and perhaps we'll never know, if when Paul was being drugged through the streets and whipped and his clothes torn off of him, if he was not wondering why God... Are you allowing the pain, the suffering right now? I, I don't don't make sense. But then, when he was being dragged into the, sh- to the jail cell, if he didn't perhaps get a glimpse of that Roman jailer's face, and it all made sense, Sister Shostran, if he was not that man in the dream he had just a few days before, it said, "Come on and help us." And all of a sudden, you see, the pain began to make sense. The suffering began to make sense. The storm, it all began to make sense. God brought me here for you. And I don't want an inconvenience to hinder the ministry of my presence. And if God's plan for my life leads me through pain and suffering, then so be it, because that's the same path that Jesus walked. Hallelujah. Worship team, if you would come. Hallelujah. Because he stayed in the prison, this man's life and his whole family were brought into the kingdom. Hallelujah. And so God does not neglect the ministry of presence it's been his plan all along to be reconciled again with his creation when he, he he sailed over the sea of the uh the sea of galilee to minister to this man that was broken that was hurting but can i remind you that he stepped down from the glories of heaven and he robed himself in flesh and he walked this life and he walked that road to Calvary and he died on that cross for you and I just so he could pour out his spirit upon all flesh because he does not neglect the ministry of presence God desires the ministry of presence hallelujah would you stand with me tonight hallelujah hallelujah And there's a story in the Bible. It's not long at all, but it's so powerful. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, the Bible says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. This leopard must have heard about Jesus. Perhaps he saw him do a miracle, Brother Heath. I don't know, but he knew that Jesus was the one. And so here's this man. You see, leprosy was a horrific disease. All this pain and hurt that was involved. I don't have to describe it. But more than just the physical pain that was linked with that disease, the emotional scars, the mental infirmities that came along when you were forced to separate yourself from the world and you were alone. I've read accounts where people would pick up stones and they would throw rocks at leopards. Get away from me! I don't want anything to do with you. Now the Bible said that they were to quarantine themselves and I understand that, but they didn't say you got to treat them like trash and garbage. And so, this man was broken. He was hurting. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And he says, if thou will, thou can make me clean. What does Jesus say? Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Now, other translations says that Jesus, when he put forth his hand, he reached out his hand. He stretched out his hand. And custom was that I have read where lepers were to stay at least six feet away from people. They were to stay six feet away, keep their distance. But I don't know a man in the world whose arm length can go six feet long. And so perhaps out of desperation, This broken man got a little closer to Jesus than he should have. He broke protocol out of desperation. But perhaps out of respect, he stayed just far enough away where he was not touching him. Now, Jesus already showed us tonight with just his word. He can calm a raging sea and with just a word, he can cast out a legion of demons. So, and I can tell you right now with the shadow, without a shadow of doubt, Jesus could heal this man's leprosy with just a word.
1: But what did Jesus say? I'm, when we read Luke's account, It says he was full of leprosy, which means that the
0: disease was in its advanced stages, which implies it had been a long time since this man had felt the touch, the comforting touch of of someone's hand.
1: And so Jesus said, I'm not just going to heal you with a word. But I'm going to comfort you with a touch. Oh, come on, somebody. God can heal you. He can save you. He can deliver you. But oh, He wants to comfort you. Come, let me hold you. Let me comfort you. He doesn't neglect the ministry of presence that's why they call the Holy Ghost the comforter so no matter where you are here I am no matter what you're going through I'm still here
0: would you lift your hands right now I'm here to tell you tonight God can give you your miracle He can heal your
1: body He can turn your situation around and He won't even
0: sweat But there's some of you right here, you need to just let God comfort you. He wants to do more than just heal you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to wrap you in His arms right
1: now. He wants to hold you and say, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. Oh, come on, somebody. God is here to minister in this place as we begin to make our way to the front.